It makes you believe there's no such thing as truth. There's a lot of things labeled fake news that just people just don't like. It's a popular Halloween costume. There are companies selling fake news costumes. You can dress up in a, in a fake news. It's plastered with, you know, newspaper pages and it has red fake across the front. Yeah, $54.95 on, online. And combined with data analytics, it can be, well, clickalicious. There are certain things that we know. All we have to do is put these keywords in a headline and we're going to have a... a what we call a clickalicious day, uh, you know, because everybody in town is going to be going bang, 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 bang on that story. We know that. Where, oh, where have you gone, Walter Cronkite? And that's the way it is. Friday, March 6th, 1981. This show is all about separating hype from fundamental change. I'm Paul Jarley, Dean of the College of Business here at UCF. I've got lots of questions. To get answers, I'm talking to people with interesting insights into the future of business. Have you ever wondered... Is this really a thing? On to our show. So let's talk a little bit about how the world is changing in really broad strokes. When we were hunter-gatherers and we started to plant crops, land was the most valuable thing. And the people who were the richest and the most powerful owned the most land. And then machines were invented. And the Industrial Revolution happened and market economies occurred. And in that, right, who owned the most machines became the most powerful people. Well, today, the most valuable asset is information. It's data. And the most powerful people in the future are going to be the people who control the most data. And they can use that data either to help inform you or they can manipulate you with that data. Right? This gets us to the topic of fake news and whether fake news is really a thing or not. Is this something that 10 years from now we'll kind of laugh about and move on from, or will it be a part of our daily lives? And if it is, how do we determine what's fake from what's real out there? That's certainly something that my students should need to know how to do, or we're all doomed. So I brought together a panel of experts to talk a little bit about fake news, what it is, and whether it's really a thing or not. So I'm going to allow my guests to kind of introduce themselves. I'll start with Grant. Oh, sure. Thank you, Paul. I'm Grant Heston. I'm our Vice President for Communications and Marketing and Chief of Staff at the University of Central Florida. I got my undergraduate degree in journalism from a university about 90 minutes north of here, a little bit smaller than us. Football team's not quite as good. Um, <laughs> and so I live and breathe with this uh, every single day. Cindy? Hi, I'm Cindy Barth. I'm editor of Orlando Business Journal. I am a UCF graduate. Uh, my degree is in journalism with a minor in political science. Good morning, everybody. My name is Rick Brunson, and I'm an associate instructor of journalism at uh, the University of Central Florida, where I'm also a proud alum. I uh, got my degree there in 1984 uh, and became a reporter and editor for uh, the next 30 years. And uh, have been really privileged to return to the university where I learned uh, about journalism and I teach it there now. So glad to be with you. Well, thank you all for joining us this morning. Rick, since you're the um, academic in the group and academics love definitions, let's start there. So what is fake news? Uh, well, if you just start with the word fake, it means counterfeit, which means there's something real to judge it against, right? So uh, if you start from that point, then 
there's hope <laughs> because there is something real to judge it against. Um, the, the thing about the term fake news, it's become very elastic uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, we used to think of fake news as that news or information that was intentionally uh, falsified and based on untruths uh, with the intent to deceive the public. Um, now that term has been elasticized in, in, in the American mindset to also encompass things such as editorial decision-making that is crafted with the intent to deceive or mislead. And uh, it's also become politicized where fake news is the news that I don't necessarily agree with. Um, and so it's, it's a very mushy, mashed up term. I did notice this morning that next week is Halloween and there are companies selling fake news costumes. Uh, you can... Well, then you know it's yeah, a thing, Then right? you know I it's mean, a thing. There, yeah, you there you go. It's a thing. You can dress up in a, in a fake news. It's plastered with, you know, newspaper pages and it has red fake across the front. Yeah. $54.95 on, online. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah, fake news is expensive. <laughs> is. Cindy, would you agree? On that definition, do you have anything to add? I, I would. I think uh, the most dangerous thing is just that everyone has uh, kind of their own definition of fake news sometimes. And, and for me in journalism, uh, fake news, you know, would be something that is just completely, you know, not based on any fact at all. But for many people, uh, as Rick shared, if they don't agree with something that you write, all of a sudden it's fake news. And, and it's a very easy thing to just throw around nowadays because you hear it used so often. So to me, that's a, a very alarming trend is just how quickly we immediately turn to calling stuff fake news without really thinking it through. So Grant, where, where did fake news come from? Should we blame Facebook? Oh, goodness gracious, you would ask me that question. I think <laughs> fake news has been with us forever. Um, it's just the medium has changed right now and it seems easier to share and be duped by fake news than it was a hundred years ago um, when you had newspapers and the beginnings of, uh, of broad really mass communications but no I, I think it's been with us for a long time and to your question to the start I think it's going to be with us into the future and that's why understanding it recognizing it and coming up with ways to combat it is more important now than probably it's ever been so so what motivates it what problem is it solving? It's basically reinforcing what you already believe in many, many cases. You know, I think a lot of times um, I, I see things in people's Facebook feed where they will post something and someone will immediately debunk it and say, this, this is fake. You know, here's the site, go check this. But it still remains in their site because it's something that they're already convinced in their mind that they believe and it's correct. And so that's the difficult thing. How do we get back to a point where we will be people who are curious enough to actually figure out is this real or not rather than just believing it right right off the top but, of our but head. But is it fair to say that fake news is meant to provoke? That, it, that it's meant to um, elicit an emotional reaction and perhaps a behavior that follows that? Is that where it comes from? I think it's meant to influence. It's meant to try to either reinforce your point of view or oftentimes just get you to give up. Um, it, the truth is knowable. You know, we can find the truth. 
Um, and I often think the point of fake news is to try to blur those lines just to say, well, you know what, we, we, no one will never know the truth about this, will we? Um, and and that's, that's a dangerous place to be. Well, in, and in the last election cycle, which we've now, you know, parsed and studied and, and there have been criminal indictments, you know, from the Justice Department in terms of Russian and other offshore uh, troll companies and troll farms that deliberately put fake news stories into social media with the intent to disrupt our election process and to sow discord among Americans so that we fight about hot, you know, red button issues like immigration and other things. And it's meant to disrupt democracy, frankly. When it comes from when it comes from offshore overseas, I think. Well, and data analytic techniques allow me to amplify that now, right? Because I know what you click on, and I can continue to feed you more of that, to make it seem like it's even more important and happening more often than you might otherwise think, and reinforce what you think about that going forward. Right? No, I I agree. I think we are becoming very much creatures of our own bubbles, you know, of our own social media, of our own reading habits. And, you know, I've heard Rick say this before. If you subscribe to the New York Times, that's great. Subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, too. You know, if you watch CNN or MSNBC, tune into Fox News as well. You know, expand your worldview. And maybe you won't agree with everything, but you'll get a different perspective. You'll see how other people are being informed, and that makes you better able to uh, understand the world around you. So has fake news influenced real news? I, 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 picking up on something Grant said there a minute ago, if, if you watch CNN and you watch Fox News, it's hard to believe they live in the same world. <laughs> right? Whatever your politics are, it doesn't really matter. It, it, it's just really hard. And I wonder if some of that is a reaction to what's going on in social media and perhaps fake news generally. What do you think, Cindy? I think uh, there has been a definite change, particularly in uh, broadcast news, uh, I remember, you know, when I was little growing up, you know, in the Walter Cronkite days, and, you know, Walter would just tell you the news, and then it was pretty much up to you to figure out, you know, what, what you thought about it. I'm sure he had very strong opinions on a lot of things, but, you know, at that point, you didn't express that as part of your news coverage. We've blurred the lines a little bit, you know, over time where uh, we've become a little bit more out front sometimes with where we stand on issues. And I think that has created a little bit of the confusion as well. I don't think that any news organization, you know, sets out to try to be influenced by it because we all have the same standards, you know, where we must report factually, we must present both sides, we must have all of that in our coverage, whatever it is that we're writing, broadcasting. But I think it has uh, made it a very interesting um, arena now for news. Would you agree with that, Rick? What do you think? I would, and, and, and I think it's caused a lot of news organizations to uh, look at their own editorial processes, uh, shore them up. It's, it's, the, the struggle has been to keep your eye on the ball a, as a journalist and try to stay true to your ethics and your values where, where we're in an, un, in an environment where... Uh, you're constantly attacked rhetorically and in some cases physically. I, I had a, a, an alum uh, in my Monday night journalism class uh, who just got back from covering Hurricanes Michael and, and Florence. He works for the Associated Press. He's a videographer. 
And while he was on a public street, a, a flooded public street up in North Carolina, filming people as they were evacuating their homes in boats and loading their belongings and goods and their pets to get out of, you know, out of harm's way, um, a man came up to him uh, and uh, screamed at him and said, you're fake news, we don't want you here, knocked his camera over and punched the guy in the face. Uh, and he and he showed us video of of this. What was interesting to me was that he did not include that incident in his reporting. Um, I think I would have, but 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 he didn't. Instead, he chose to focus on uh, a North Carolina man who was uh, using his own personal watercraft to get his 88 year old mother uh, out of her house. Right. So. Um, re- Rhetoric has become incendiary and, and it can lead to real punches being thrown. So I'm, I'm concerned for you know, some of my colleagues who are out there in the field who are under constant the barrage of you're the enemy of the people, you're fakeness. And you know, most people are not going to act on that. But a small subset of people like this man in North Carolina can, will, and do. And, and that's not only an attack against the individual journalists, but I think that's an attack against all of us who think that a free, vigorous press is crucial and essential to a democracy. It's the First, it's the first Amendment, right? Exactly, for a reason. Okay, the First yeah. Amendment, yeah. Mm-hmm. The very first one. So I think when people think about fake news, they naturally go to politics, but I run a business school. Um, is there fake news in business, Cindy? <laughs> of course, you know, there, what's there it, is. What's it know. like? Yeah. And what's its purpose? <laughs> Well, I think uh, sometimes, uh, you know, we find uh, when we get news from companies and stuff, sometimes, let's say you're a public company and, and you really had a poor performance, you know, like here, so you want to highlight this instead. So you make sure that you're highlighting this and you're hoping that we're not thorough enough to actually look at the entire report and see, you know, what you actually did overall. Sometimes it can be as simple as that. Uh, sometimes, you know, even it's cases where you're, the business can become the victim of fake news. I mean, look what happened in 2016 with the Pepsi company when word leaked out that they said, yeah, we don't want any Trump supporters' business. Okay, the CEO never said that. Somebody just manufactured that. And then all of a sudden you have people, you know, protesting, boycotting, doing this kind of thing against a business that actually didn't have any involvement in what was said. So I think it can work, uh, you know, both sides of it. How about in university settings, Grant? Is there fake news? Do you have to deal with fake news? Um, I don't know if I'd call it fake news. I might, with... I've, again, I worked as a reporter. I have my undergraduate, undergraduate in journalism, so I have the utmost respect for it. I might call it more lazy news sometimes. Um, reporters will come and say, hey, we're doing a story about XYZ. We need a quote from you about it. And we'll say, well, have you looked at this? Have you looked at this? Have you, well, no, I just need a quote from you. Can you just give me a quote for this story that's already written and done? Um, and so I, that's just more lazy. And I think... Uh, Media companies are just in really tough times right now, and so I think that's just a symptom of it. Um, but we probably deal more with lazy news than we do fake news, thankfully. Even, even in college athletics, would you say that? So is Danny engaging in fake news right now in his campaign to get us into the <laughs> college football playoffs? Paul, I thought we were friends. <laughs> and that there, 
would be no athletics questions <laughs> on this podcast. Um, no, I'm still I, mad at Danny for calling esports not a sport no. and they're not athletes. But. No, I, I think that's <laughs> we're doing what organizations that are proud of their accomplishments do, which is say, look at what we've done, look at the facts. You know, so if someone says, well, you guys aren't really scheduling Power Five teams, well, we played Stanford, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, Pitt, Michigan, Ohio State, all within the last five years. Um, those are the facts. So let's have a, a conversation based on the facts and based on outcomes and then see where that takes us, not the perceptions of uh, institutions from 15, 20, 50, 100 years ago. Well, just so you know, everything in our podcast eventually comes back to UCF's national championship football team. So that's really why I, I, I like question. it. I like that for I sure. I try to get that into as many of the podcasts as mm -hmm. I can. So. Um, so if fake news is real, how do we combat it? I think you have to uh, get to the point where you want to make sure uh, that you do your own investigation of things. I mean, there's lots of places where you can check to see if something is real or not. You know, you can check PolitiFact, you can check some, a lot of these types of sites where you can, can take a look, make sure that uh, what you're reading actually, you know, is factual. I think you also have to look to see uh, who else is reporting this. You know, sometimes, you know, you'll get something kind of in a vacuum that just suddenly appears out of nowhere. And if nobody else is reporting it, that should be a red flag almost immediately. Can I push back just a little, Cindy? I don't, I don't think your strategy is wrong, but I'm going to actually go back to something Grant just said a minute ago. I'm lazy. You know what? I got a ton of information. The last thing I need is more information. I'm, I might be short on meaning, but I'm not really short on information. Yeah, and, and that's why fake news is, uh, is making such headway right now, because we, we won't push back. People are lazy and won't, uh, you know, look at it. And you can try to argue with, uh, with folks and say, you know, hey, let me point you to where you can actually find this, and they still may choose not to, uh, to actually do that. Well, Rick, I hope our colleagues over in the Nicholson School are thinking about this a little bit. You got a few things you might have to Yeah, we, we think about it a lot. And uh, <laughs> in, in my own classes, I teach my students about the difference between skepticism and cynicism. Um, skepticism is intellectually rigorous. Uh, when you choose not to take something at face value, but then you take the next step to investigate it for yourself and check it out for yourself, um, you're not being lazy. Cynicism is lazy. Cynicism dismisses out of hand any information that's being presented to you because you just automatically assume that the source that it's coming from lies. And so you don't make any effort to investigate it for yourself and your brain turns to mush. You're a happy little cynic uh, and you're self-satisfied because you think you know and because you, you assume that things are not true because the person is lying right? That's lazy. Uh, and it doesn't make for good citizens. Good citizens are skeptical. Uh, just like a good journalist should be skeptical, uh, but not cynical. And I think, you know, to Grant's point, where we get in trouble in journalism is when we let our skepticism turn into cynicism. Then when the story is already predetermined and you're coming to Grant for a quote to fill in a gap, because you've already got the story in your mind, because you already assume certain preconditions about things or people, that's being a cynical journalist or a cynical reporter, and that's not healthy for democracy either. So good, rigorous skepticism. I, I tell people, look for news organizations that have 
rigorous systems internally of authentication. The Wall Street Journal, for one, I'm getting ready to leave here today, go back to the campus, and I've got 25 students sitting down for the Dow Jones News Fund exam um, for their national internship program. Dow Jones is the slowest notification on my feed. When something breaks, I hear from six other companies before I hear from the Wall Street Journal. They're slower, I don't care because they have six levels of check, fact-checking and authentication before they put something out. Uh, and because they do that, I trust their information more than somebody whose headline is coming across my screen first. So look for uh, and support you know, with, with real money, a subscription, or uh, if it's NPR or PBS, you know, a, a gift or donation, support sources of information that have good, rigorous internal mechanisms of fact-checking before they put information out. So that was my advertisement. So I'm there. reading a book right now <laughs> called 21 Rules for the 21st Century, and there's a chapter on fake news. Mm -hmm. um, and, I'm, and I'm a big believer in simple rules. And, and, and the simple rule that was offered there is if you're not paying for your media, you probably shouldn't trust it. Is that fair? Oh, I, th I think that's very fair. I mean, journalism and reporting, it's a profession. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, I remember you go through training and you go through rigorous work. And just like if you were going to go to a doctor, you'd want to make sure they knew what they were doing. They had practiced it. They had recommendations. Um, you should do the same thing for your news sources. Make sure you go to places that are trusted, that have processes like Rick said in place, that uh, can put up guards against fake news getting into the stream. So none of you mentioned regulation or legal action as a potential solution to the fake news problem. Why? Well, it's on the minds of certain Americans. Ipsos just did a poll where they, the good news was that 85% of Americans believe idealistically in the concept that a free press is essential to democracy, right? So 85, that's the good news. There, there's, there's a critical mass of people who still believe that a free press is, is important and crucial to a democracy. But 26% of Americans in that same poll said that the president should have the power and ability to shut down news organizations that quote unquote do bad things. So one in four Americans are ready to toss out the Constitution um, to give the president the ability to, to shut down news organizations that, that do bad things, whatever that means. So, uh, so there's, a, a, there's people ready to you know, agree with changing libel laws and things like that to, to make it easier to uh, sue or shut down uh, press organizations that they don't like or think are doing harm to the country. But you'd rather have the fake news out there than to give government the power to do that? Absolutely. That's argument? Absolutely. I think it's an incredibly slippery slope. And I think fake news, demonstrably false news, um, is one thing. But I think the, the point is that we've made so far this morning that there's a lot of things labeled fake news that just people just don't like. You know, and you'll see somebody on a Monday say, that media outlet, that's fake news. That story's fake news. On Friday, there's a different story that comes out and says, hey, look how great I'm doing. Did you read it and such and such? You know, so it's really content driven, not the, the fact that it's, it's the unreliable source. Many times I think you'll also see, uh, you know, like actual fake news sites. Uh, you'll never see uh, a correction on anything, you know, that they do. Uh, that, that's gonna be missing. But, you know, if you're a legitimate news organization, 
If you make an error, and yes, we all make errors from time to time, you correct it, and you correct it in a very visible way so that everybody understands what, you know, what the error was, what was corrected. Uh, sometimes with the fake uh, news stuff, you, it's just out there, it just kind of free floats forever, and people continue to share it, but you'll never see anything mentioned about anything being corrected in it. So do you think traditional news media has become more opinion-driven and perhaps more polarized because of fake news? It's so crowded out there to stand out. You know, I assume you were all taught, right, that you wanted to report the news, not be the news. But I might make the contention today if you aren't the news or if you aren't the trusted source of news that are giving somebody a take, your future is probably not very bright in the business. Is that, is that fair to put that on fake news? On I don't know about fake news. I, I think opinion started creeping into the news columns before Donald Trump came along. It's been, for, it's been, it's been leaching into the news columns for, for years, and I don't think that's a good thing. Um, so, uh, it, and I think people see it and they smell it. And uh, among you know good, smart, reasonable people that, that I converse with who are highly skeptical of of journalism in the news business, that's always the first thing that they mention, that they see and smell too much opinion in, in articles that are supposed to be straight news. And, and I, I don't think that's, I think that's, that's bad for us going forward. We gotta find a way to, but to your point, Paul, people also seem to want news with an edge, news with a voice, news that- Or with meaning, right? With I get meaning, all kinds right. of information. Uh, and so it, it's, it's uh, news organizations get conflicted about this because we get mixed messages from consumers about what what they what they really and want. You do respond and what they to market support. signals yes. in fairness, exactly. right? Yes. I think it's too about what people want versus what they need, you know. And I think maybe one of the things that have hurt media companies um, over the years is did we go out? Oh, there we are. The hurt media companies over the years has been being able to track page views, and so. You need to report on what's happening at City Hall. That may or may not get a lot of page views, but it's pretty easy to report on things that will attract page views. And we all know what those types of stories are. And those are easier to do. They require less work. They require a less sophisticated, you know, maybe an entry level person can do that as opposed to somebody that's been there 25 years. And so uh, I think that's driven a lot of what we've seen as well. And I guess maybe I'd ask a question if I, if yeah, I could, Paul, to, to Cindy and Rick. Do you think news organizations are passive sort of bystanders to, as this is happening, or are there things that have happened that they're contributing to this epidemic? I think the whole uh, introduction of being able to see in real time what's actually happening with a story is really frightening sometimes because I'll be honest with you, there are certain things that we know all we have to do is put these keywords in a headline and we're going to have a, a what we call a clickalicious day, uh, you know, because everybody in town is going to be going bang, 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 bang on that story. We know that. And so with that becomes the responsibility of, is this actually news that you should report or are you just trying to get clicks? And, you know, it, it's something that we, uh, you know, measure every day, honestly. Uh, there are certain stories, as you say, you should report and you must report because they're important. People need to know that. Will they get the, the page views, the clicks? No, probably not. But you still need to report it because people expect you to report it. So it is kind of a conundrum, uh, you know, and if you're not careful, you can err one side or the other pretty quickly. 
Yeah, a big part of this, and we're in the College of Business today, I mean, a big part of this is that the business of news has been radically disrupted by digital, radically disrupted. And, you know, what you used to be able to count on in terms of revenue from subscriptions uh, is is gone. The advertising market has been chopped up, you know. By, so, you know, Lily Tomlin used to say it's not called show art, it's called show business, right? So it's the same thing with the news. News companies are are there to, to make money. And and because the model, the business model has been seriously disrupted, uh, news companies are having to scramble to, to chase m- more eyeballs uh, on, on their content because that's where the advertising dollars uh, these days in digital, you know, come from. So there is the temptation to, you know, spend more of your resources on things that maybe uh, aren't that important or substantive, but will generate traffic. And it's, it's like, a, and, and people having to make the decision of, you know, it's, it's, yeah, we need to give them broccoli, but maybe we need to put a little cheese on the broccoli too uh, to, to, get it, to make it more appetizing. Well, so. and honestly, Rick, when you were um, mentioning the polling data before about how many people supported the free press, I hesitated on the word free and maybe what they were telling us there. Why should I pay for news when I can get it for free? And how that's kind of impacting kind of what's going on. It does because, you know, like when you put the, some kind of a paywall block on a story, uh, you know, I will always invariably at some point during the day, if it's a really popular topic that you know people want to read, will invariably get emails of people complaining, well, I can't access this. Why can't I access this? It's like because you're not a subscriber. Well, I don't want to subscribe. I just want to see the story. Can you just let me see it for free? No. But that's a less clickalicious state. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I've got to tell a story talking about clickalicious from a UCF perspective. That's totally getting in the teeth. Right. We at UCF were always amazed how often UCF appears in headlines um, where the connection is very tenuous at best. Somewhere you know, near us. Right, right like a former, <laughs> a former UCF student, like it was a semester, you know, eight years ago uh, that a former UCF student, but our favorite is we're waiting for the headline of Rollins College student arrested on Rollins College campus near UCF. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it goes because we know that you have 280,000 alum who live in and around Central yeah. Florida, so you're going to have people who click on that kind of thing. So that gets us to the question, so what do students need to know about fake news? That's the business I'm in, right? How do, how do we help prepare them for that or discern that? Or, well, it's, oh, go ahead, please send it off after you. I, I Use think it for good uh, instead of evil. Yeah, I, I think it uh, you know, goes back to the same uh, thing of, of really what we all need to be conscious of, and that's not just taking things uh, at face value first look. You know, it's really incumbent on all of us to do a little bit more research, be a little more thorough uh, in what we think that we're reading, and make sure you know, that, it, that it's actually real because... Uh, I'm not sure that we're ever going to get a, a rid of fake news at this point. Uh, you know, it's just such an easy thing to uh, throw around. But I think that we have to begin, you know, training people and kind of instilling in them uh, the understanding that it's really important that you, you know that what you're reading is actually factual. You know, you don't want to be helping spread something that's not. 
true. You don't want to be just relying on something that's not true. Rick, what do you think? Uh, this whole thing, well, the business we're in at UCF is critical thinking, no matter what our discipline is. It's, it's, it's churning out citizens who are good critical thinkers. This whole enterprise of, of America is built on the idea and, and the crucial nature of informed citizens. Madison, Jefferson, all those guys, their biggest fear was a dummy with the vote. Uh, it, it really was. And so they put education in place. They put the First Amendment in place. You have to have informed citizens. You have to have facts before you can have meaningful debate. Uh, and who gathers those facts? Primarily journalists. But it, we, all of us as citizens, as consumers, owe it to ourselves. And I'm, you know, this is going to sound corny and cheesy, but we owe it to our country. We owe it to our communities to inform ourselves with good, solid information and intel that's actionable, that we can, you know, we're coming up on midterm elections. We're, we're, and we're going to be voting about a whole host of things, including amendments to, you know, we're constantly diddling with the Constitution in Florida. You, you have to have good, solid information upon which to exercise your voice as a citizen. And so it's important that you be able to think critically, that you be able to weigh different sources of information uh, look at their sourcing, look at how recent they are, uh, how primary are the source documents or the expertise of the people being interviewed. Do they know what they're talking about? What's the, the, the intellectual basis of what this news article or story on television that you're reading, what is it based on? And is that solidly sourced information? You know, we, and so it, it comes down to being critical and vigorously skeptical about what you're reading uh, without becoming cynical and not reading anything. That, that's, I'm worried about the person who's just thrown their hands up and given up and like, I'm not going to read anything and just look at cat memes all day. Uh, it's, it's, that person scares me more than you know, anything. Grant? I think specifically to business students, I think of the inter interdisciplinary work like the College of Medicine does with the Rosen College of Hospitality Management or College of Business does with engineering. Wouldn't it be interesting to see if you know, the Nicholson School and College of Business could work on how do you monetize real news? How do you overhaul a business model that really isn't working? You know, I remember when I came to the Sentinel in 2000, we just gave everything away for free. I mean, and that, that's hard to pull that back. Yeah, you know, hard. if you're used to getting something for free, it's gonna be hard to get people to, to pay for it. And so it'd be interesting to see, is there a different type of model that's fit for the 21st century that brings value to the news gathering and the expertise that journalists have, um, but also elevates it clearly above all the rest of the noise and the nonsense that's out there? It's my podcast, so I get to go last. Distorting or inventing the truth is not new. It's been around well before the printing press, and it has been part of the arsenal of totalitarian regimes for a long time. What is new is that today, Anyone can be a reporter who creates and disseminates real, as well as fake news, far and wide. Even more dangerous is the marriage of fake news with data analytics. Not everyone has access to such metrics, but those who do can target their falsehoods to people who are most receptive to their message and most likely to disseminate it widely through their networks. It's impossible for any of us to check every fact, 
We all come to rely on certain sources that have earned our trust. Perhaps the best weapon we have against fake news is to question any story or source of data that just confirms what we think we already know. It is increasingly likely that you were targeted to receive that information by an algorithm that understands your biases, well, better than you do. Fake news will continue to be a thing so long as it's effective and motivates people to do what the fake news reporter wants you to do. In a democracy founded on a free press, it's not going away anytime soon. Reader or viewer, beware. What's your take? Check us out online and share your thoughts at business.ucf.edu podcast. You can also find extended interviews with our guests and notes from the show. Special thanks to my producer, Josh Miranda, and the whole team at the Office of Outreach and Engagement here at the UCF College of Business. And thank you for listening. Until next time, charge on. Star.